You can't, I had a fun, you can't I, laugh. <laughs> you can't laugh. We're doing a podcast, Phoebe. <laughs> Were you laughing at what I said? Were you laughing at what I said? Oh, then you can laugh. This is my daughter, Vaccine. <laughs> this is my daughter, Vaccine. She's this laughing at the hit show, Fish Hooks. Laughing at the hit Disney Channel original series, Fish Hooks. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that both searches for and maintains peace. It's your boy, Ethan. <laughs> I'm Patrick. <laughs> that was good. A good Father book. Jacques Philippe reference. Yeah. Reading that book right now, and it's uh, it's tearing me apart. Uh-huh. It's digging into my heart and my soul, and it's saying everything that you thought that was true and good about yourself is not. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, though. I um I, I need to do it. more spiritual reading during this Lenten season. Uh, my mm. my morning prayer routine does involve me trying to at least wake up before Phoebe does and pray. Uh, and I pray morning prayer and office of readings, which takes a bit of time. But like I want to read spiritual reading after that because like sometimes the office of readings the reading doesn't hit me as hard and that happens. You know maybe I should just suck it up and reflect on that instead. But Mm. I do. There's a lot of spiritual books that I want to read, and I think I'm at a point in my life now where if I, I didn't read any spiritual books last year. Oh, um, Patrick. Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I didn't read many. I read a lot How of theology. How many Dave Ramsey books did you read? One. <laughs> okay, so you read one spiritual book last yeah, year. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the, the leader of, the CEO of Protestant mysticism, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was great. Shout out to our shout out to the people on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the crunch for having great jokes. You can be a part of the humor town. You can be a part of the humor train. You can be a hobo on hopping onto the humor tracks if you just get on to Facebook.com slash groups slash the crunch cast. You might you might get people referencing classic episodes and classic jokes that I forget about, which is one of the best did parts we, about having a Facebook group. Did we make a joke about Dave Ramsey being a Protestant mystic? Oh yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was really funny. Dang, I think I think good. I made I think I made that joke. I think oh, I think okay. that one has my stamp of approval. Sure, sure. This sure. is we we've entered phase two of the podcast where people stop quoting you and they've started quoting me. Oh no! <laughs> what do I have to live for? The downfall anymore? of Ethan's empire is here. Um, no, not until after I leave Focus and I've got more time per week per uh, yeah. per diem times seven. Mm. Um, what do you say for days? It's per diem. What's Latin for a week? Per week-em? Week-em. Per week, <laughs> when I have more time, when I have more time per week to work on this cast, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna my quote list gonna, is gonna rocket back to the slap. top. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't read many spiritual books. Like I'm talking like mysticism books. I read like theology books that helped mm-hmm. me in prayer, but I didn't read a lot of spiritual books. And that was because I was trying to hit that 100 book goal. And so every mm-hmm. time I picked up a book, it was about quantity, you know. Like and so I didn't want to do that to like Interior Castle. Yeah, no, uh, that'd yeah. be bad. Plus, Interior Castle is just, it'll just make you mad. You can't get through it. You can't get through it. The Interior Funhouse. like, house. how are you so smart and so holy? I'm going to I'm gonna see if Teresa of Avila thinks my Interior Funhouse joke was funny in heaven. That's going to be one of the first <laughs> things I do. St. Thomas Aquinas be like, was the cannoli bit funny? And then St. <laughs> Teresa of Avila, is the Interior Funhouse bit funny? Should I have never done that? Never I'm done so that? sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can we be friends forever now? Please. <laughs> please. Can, can, can your virtues be my virtues, please? Please. I would like it if you prayed for me. We've talked about this. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's pretty sweet. I like Bonaventure. He talks about how... The Brevoloquium wrote it before Aquinas. He he talks about how in heaven, 
all of all of uh, the saints' virtues are yours, and your virtues belong to all of the saints. Like your virtues are no longer your own because they all come from God, and God is there. You know. And I was he like, up there. I read that, and I was like, well, that's good for me. Uh, all of Saint Francis's virtues will be mine, and all of mine will be his. You're welcome, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. All the saints. All the saints are gonna be so happy when we finally get up to heaven. <laughs> We like walk in. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you're welcome for that. <laughs> a distorted sense of justice and a mild sense of humor. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> oh, That's man. pretty good. Uh, Speaking of waking up early, last night I was trying to put into practice a spiritual principle that I did learn from searching for and maintaining peace, which is uh, God can only provide for us as much as we expect him to provide for us. Interesting. Which is actually a quote from St. John of the Cross. Um, God only provides in the measure of which we expect him to provide which I've been thinking about a lot lately. And so last night I was pretty tired and I wanted to get up on time. I want to get up on my alarm, which is my perpetual struggle of mm. like getting up in the morning. So last night I prayed, I was like, Lord, I am just get, not going to, to even like think about how I could accomplish this. I have no plans. I'm going to go to bed on time and do all the right things. But for the morning, when the morning comes, that's all you, I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it. I need you to get me up in the morning. My alarm went off this morning and I boom, I flew out of bed. Nice. It was amazing. Nice. It was like I felt <laughs> so different than I'd ever had before. Um, and I don't know, just something about it, not stressing about it, not worrying about it and surrendering it. I, I felt like that's kind of a great. new man. It, it is really great. I think more people should abandon things to God. That's my it's- hot take. <laughs> You know, I really, in 2021, we should be abandoning things to divine providence. We really I should. Know. People people really do be living their whole lives abandoning nothing to divine providence. <laughs> it's got the, 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 uh, that practice is so far from me. Just, it's gotten to the point where, and I know people relate to this. It's gotten to the point where Phoebe and I have had a conversation where I said, would you like me to set the alarm She's like, I need to, I need to shower in the morning, so I need to get up at seven. And I was like, Would you like me to set the alarm to seven? And she said, No, set it to six fifty because I know we're gonna hit the snooze button. <laughs> wow, it's like literally planning for the fact that we're probably definitely going to hit the snooze button. Uh, yeah, it's yep. a habit that I would like to break. Um, you you can break it, Patrick. Yes. No, no, we can't. I can't. That was the whole point of your your thing. Right? Oh, I can't you can't. Do it. You so, can't. Yeah. The habit could be broken if you were to. Uh, 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 abandon it to God. Can I also say, uh, real quick, have you ever seen the movie Hail Caesar? No. The Coen oh Brothers film? Oh my goodness. Film? Yes. Uh, I think you should watch it and we should talk about it next week. Okay. Maybe, if you want. I don't know. I like a good, uh, I like a good film. I like, I'm a, I'm, I've been known to be a fan of cinema. This is my, this is my tag to get you like into it and to plant the seed for our discussion next week. If we actually do this or maybe do it some other time, or maybe it's a bonus podcast, who knows? But, um, bonus I was reading Bible about cast. it online. A lot of people were doing reviews of it and they're like, it didn't make any sense. It was super jumbled. Um, we didn't really understand. It's a lot about like the inside of the movie business. You know, it's all inside baseball about Hollywood. Cause they're referencing a lot of like older styles of Westerns and epics and, musicals and all these kinds of things that were made in the fifties, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the, what they're doing. Um, but actually the movie is about, is very, very, uh, reminiscent of everything that I read about John Paul II about his fight against communism. And his whole line was always culture is the driving force of history, not economics. And I think that's what the movie is actually about. 
Um, but like nobody got that in none of the reviews or anything that I read about it. Did people, were people talking about it from that angle? And so, that's uh, so interesting. Maybe we could, uh, maybe we could do that. I love that quote mm-hmm. though. Culture is the driving force of history, not economics. Mm-hmm. Cause communism only saw a person as an economic agent. Yeah. Right. And John Paul II obviously had his personalist philosophy that he developed over the course of his pontificate that's so funny because capitalism also only sees the person as like right classical austrian capitalism sees the human person as an agent that will only look out for their own economic interests right yeah which is communism sees it that way too honestly it's just but it's just yeah instead of it being your own economic interest it's the economic interests of the state uh it's yeah you should watch it we should we should have this conversation next week i really think it'd be very good that's so interesting i texted luke carey because i heard him reference it on he loves the Coen a couple weeks ago he does he does and so i told him that i watched it and i was like this is what the movie is actually about and he's like he said yup but you know that was his luke of like yup you know <laughs> like very loud and three yep. beers in <laughs> luke carey uh do you have a hot take I do. For the hot take time machine? I do. Hot take time machine. Welcome to the hot take time machine, the part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives. If you have a hot take, five years or older, please send it on over to info at thecrunchcast.com. Ethan, do you have a hot take for us? Uh, I would like you to read your hot take first because I mine is just so good and it's just somewhere on this website and I have to find it before we before I okay. say it. Okay, mine mine is mine is another one of my clever little one-liners that I was posting uh-huh. in 2016. So yeah. blah 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 presidential election whatever. No one is answering the real questions like why cameras have circular lenses but the pictures are rectangles. You don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. And then my friend, it's it's because the thing on the inside is a is a rectangle. Just the lenses. Well, why is well why is the thing why, on the is, the, a circle? why is it a circle? Cameras are ca- phones are rectangles. That makes sense. But the lens is still circle. Wouldn't it be crazy if phones were rectangles, but everything on the inside was a circle? <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if pizza boxes were rectangles, but everything on the inside was oh my goodness? <laughs> um. Anyway, and then my friend commented, "Is the blue I see not the blue you see?" Because he had this. Uh, he had this idea that um, that all of the colors are different because when someone is young and you point to a color and they say this color is blue, it's possible that every person sees a different color, but that color stays the same. And so every person sees a different color, but they everyone thinks it's blue. Um, mm-hmm. I pointed out how that's impossible because of light waves and color theory, but he was like, <laughs> nope. I was like, that's just pure relativism, Alex. <laughs> Uh, even, even, even the relativists can sometimes make a little bit of sense. Cause I really don't know. There is no way of knowing what color is which. Yeah, there you know? is. It's called light, <laughs> light waves. But I thought light was a proton, Patrick. It's both. A, it's both. A... Oh, oh, so it's both. That seems really convenient for you. <laughs> Interesting. Listen, Interesting I, stu- you kinda I didn't just... study this. You did. Okay. I, listen, I did study it and there's, I mean, what am I, am I an electrical engineer right now, Patrick? Let me, let me tell you what, Let, let's don't come into my house and talk about the Bader Meinhof phenomenon. What's it called? What's the thing with the light waves and the particles? Uh, it's not the, the Bader Meinhof. Uh, the Einstein uh, Rosen bridge. I'm just kidding. That's... Uh, 
particle wave. The Hubble's telescope. Don't come into my house and talk about wave particle duality. <laughs> the duality of wave particles mirrors the duality of man. <laughs> but it's but say it in a German accent. I can't. <laughs> and then talk no, about and then talk about your father. <laughs> uh Oh, I got a hot take. Do you want to hear? Yeah, go, go nuts, go nuts. All right, March 9th, twenty sixteen. Uh, do you remember what happened in twenty sixteen, Patrick? Presidential election. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the the year that politics took took it too far. Also, probably you know? like a shooting of some kind. Yeah, no, there was. It was if it wasn't this one, it was going to be the one about Brussels. There was a shooting in Brussels. There it I, is. I was very ups- I was very upset about that. There was a lot of uh, stuff going on in Europe during 2016. There really was. Wasn't the Nice France thing? Didn't that happen? Yes, yes, it was. March 9, twenty sixteen. Edgy opinion. Hyphen. <laughs> Our fear of the Lord should be so great that we shouldn't need to worry about anything, even a bad president. Six retweets, twenty four likes. Is that really an edgy opinion? No, it's a good opinion. It's a pretty edgy opinion. Uh, Here's my edgy opinion. As a Christian, I believe that our God is an awesome God. (laughs) I believe, you know what? Here's my, here's my edgy opinion. He reigns from heaven above with Mm -hmm. wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Hot take. He, uh, he's, I, as, here's an edgy opinion. As a Christian, I believe that our God is rolling up the sleeves and he's not putting on the Ritz. (laughs) I don't understand what that means. That's the first line of the song, Our God is an Awesome God. Wait, really? Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Maybe I've only ever sung it at Vacation Bible School where they understandably took that part out. <laughs> uh, the first time I heard it, I almost fell over. Um, awesome God lyrics. My favorite song, my favorite Christian song, um, if if you ever want to listen to a really cringy Christmas, Christmas song, is uh, called Christmas with a capital C. It's uh, Phoebe and I. Phoebe and I heard it at a uh, at a light show once, and it was very impressive. It the the character is at a coffee shop, and the lady says "Happy Holidays," and he says "Thanks, lady. I'm very happy, but there's only one holiday that makes me feel this way." It's like very <laughs> angry, very intense. Only one. Sorry, Christmas. Easter. Christmas. Christmas. Uh, uh, the best thing. People say a lot of things about Donald Trump. Okay. They do. They do. But when he was standing up there, and I don't even know, like, he was obviously saying this for political capital, but him saying, we're going to start saying Merry Christmas again, (laughs) as if, like, people stopped saying Merry Christmas at some point. (laughs) Like, I get that what he was going for, but it was just so funny to hear him say, we're going to start saying Merry Christmas again. It's like, no, I've heard. I said that the other day, Donald. One I, of my like, one of my favorite I one of my stop. favorite memes from from like the end of 2017 was um, I was at it was like a that happened post and it was like I was at the I was at the grocery store and the lady said happy holidays and I said don't worry Donald Trump is president now we can say Merry Christmas and a tear rolled down her eye <laughs> it's like thank God he gave us Christmas back I know what finally the done? state gave us Christmas back. Thank goodness. I'm so thankful for the state. Thank you, the state. Thank you, the state. Um, I respect your sovereignty and your ability to allow me to celebrate holidays. Isn't it so cool that the state, as a collection of a bunch of individual persons, has the same rights and abilities as an individual person and can therefore (laughs) assert its will to power over my life? I love the state. 
Oh, man. And isn't it great how corporations are essentially the same thing and we don't recognize them as states? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, wage slavery. All right. Uh, let's let's jump into your topic. <laughs> enough, to enough, about... of the, enough of the the Ethan and Pat get radicalized podcast. <laughs> <laughs> enough of Ethan and Patrick veer so so close to becoming uh, leftists, something uh, ca- Catholics, something. One of us is already there. The other one is just trying to resist the whole way. Left Caths. Uh, left Caths. Listen, I wasn't the one who was part of Weird Catholic Twitter for a solid month and a half. Yeah, that was a weird time. <laughs> I really. I really messaged some people and I was like, where can I start reading to learn about socialism? (laughs) (laughs) We had someone on the podcast talking about socialism. I fought back. I was like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot since then. No, it's a very, here's the thing. It's a very attractive ideology because it, like we talked about it, it, it rejects the, it rejects the things about capitalism that we know are wrong, but Mm -hmm. it still tries like communism and socialism still try to work within a framework of, Human beings are primarily economic actors. Yes. And we're like, oh, well, we can co-op this for our our means, right? But what happens is you start operating within, the Catholics start operating within the framework of a classical liberal, and they just become classical liberals. Yeah. Thank goodness we got out of Twitter. Oh, boy. Yeah, thank, thank goodness <laughs> my, my, my uh, political opinion stopped coming from Twitter and started coming from college. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I don't think that's good either. Is it not good? <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen college these days? That's fair. I he's went not, to Franciscan. He's though. not looking too good. I went to Franciscan went to fr- though. Yeah, but you didn't vote for Trump, so explain that one. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Literally, the election it, night, twenty sixteen. We're not going to talk about it anyway. We're do not going to talk, talk about, about our topic. It. I did want to. I did want to briefly. I, I, I was going to talk to you about this before the podcast. I had some ideas sure. about our Bible podcast. <gasps> tell me more. Tell me more. So what I want to do, because someone someone joined our Patreon specifically because they wanted a Bible podcast, and so yes, I I think we owe it to them <laughs> specifically. Just the one person. I mean, it was just one person. We have listen. I'm very easily swayed. <laughs> you really are. I'm so easily. One swayed. of our one of our patrons could be like, I really love the episodes where like Patrick records with his shirt off and like peanut butter all over his chest and like i will donate so much money every single month if he does that and patrick be like i think we need to start doing this i think we need to start doing this this is like this is what the people want this is what the people want. <laughs> um i was thinking what we should do is we should like i, I would like to just do like a pentateuch bible study because it's mm-hmm. it the pentateuch lays the foundation for all of scripture he's and, my favorite uh lord of the rings character character yeah pentateuch I hate peregrine pentateuch <laughs> sorry and uh so I think I think if we just split it up into like story sections, so we do like Genesis one to three, and then we do Genesis four to seven, you know, like so like Cain and Abel through Noah, and then we do Noah, and then we do like Abraham and etc. I think I think that would be a good way to do it because it'll focus more on the stories, and uh, we can. Um, we can kind of like extrapolate on those stories. And you and I have very different approaches to scripture. I was thinking we could do it in, we could also do like segments. So like the first segment could be like a quick TLDR of the story mm-hmm. itself. Obviously we want you to read it, but it's like, here's a recap of the story elements. And then I can, you and I can do like, here's something that not everybody may have picked up on in this story. I think that would be cool. And then we just go in, then we just do what we do on a regular podcast and we just talk about it. Yes. I couldn't yes. fall asleep last night, so I thought about this. No, I think that's a really great idea. I think we should. Uh, I'm eager for 
Genesis and Exodus because those are the books that I understand. Um, I'm a little bit less eager getting into Deuteronomy and Numbers uh, because I understand those less. I mean, Numbers is not that bad. Leviticus and Deuteronomy are tough. Leviticus and Deuteronomy, yeah. yeah. So, but Numbers is sandwiched in between, so you don't even realize that it's a storybook because it has the word Numbers yeah. as its name, and you're like, I don't want to read a bunch of numbers. It's just a bunch of names and phone numbers. Yeah. Um, but the this is why I think we should do it by, like, chapter chunks because... Chapter chunks. Chapter chunks. Like, Genesis 1 to 3 has a lot in it, but the chapter chunks will get smaller for Genesis, Exodus, and Numbers, but for Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they'll be larger. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, probably, if we're being honest with ourselves, the first... I mean, up until, essentially, uh, Isaac, until Abraham dies, right? Uh that's going to be a good portion of where we, where we start. Cause that's like Genesis up to, I don't know, whatever that is. Genesis 26, 27, whenever Abraham dies, I don't know. Um, that's like, if you don't, if you understand that the rest of the Bible makes so much more sense. Yeah. It's so it, true. It's like, and so I really think we'll, we'll, we'll be spending a good chunk of time on that at the very least. And you know, what's funny if you, um, the rest of the story, so like 27 through 50, mm-hmm. that story the rest of Exodus through Deuteronomy makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you understand yeah. the the relationships of the 12 brothers and how the relationships between the 12 brothers mimics the relationships between the tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, how Judah and why Judah and Benjamin are so close. There's a really, there's a really important reason why the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah remain in the Southern kingdom while the rest split off. And it's because Judah offered his life to save Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah. Thousands of years earlier. That's just, it's there's so going to cool. be so, it's going to be so good. So Even cool. if nobody listens, I think we should just do it just because it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be real fun. And, and I, I, like personally, I, I've already, I've already worked on splitting it up and there's several different ways you could cut them up, but Leviticus will only have seven sections. Great. Um, I'm so glad you're doing all the legwork on this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That was just my idea, but we're going to talk about a topic. We are going to talk about a topic. Be looking for the crunch Bible cast coming in the next ah. few months. Hopefully. Check it out. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, tell me, tell me your thoughts. You wanted yes. to become so my, Saint Paul. My patron saint uh, is Saint Paul. My confirmation saint is Saint Paul. My my patron saint is Saint Patrick. Happy Saint Patty's Day. This is why I'm drinking. This is why Happy I'm day Saint drinking Patrick's Day. Because it's Saint drink, Patrick's Day. Drink that PBR. Um, no other reason. And uh, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I've been rethinking my youth ministry philosophy. And it is why the, the, this rethinking has, has, has contributed to my change of position at my parish. I, I switched to 
uh, coordinator of youth ministry. I, I moved from director of youth ministry to coordinator of youth ministry and evangelization. Uh, so youth ministry is now like under my oversight mm. as opposed to direct control. And the purpose of that, what I've, what I've realized is um, there is, someone told me that there is an inverse correlation between, I was telling you this, there's an inverse correlation between paid youth ministers and a good youth ministry program. And the reason is not because paying people is bad. Yes. The reason is because mm. paid youth ministers often, because they are being rewarded quantitatively, expect to produce things quantitatively. So like I am being paid X amount of money, therefore I should have right. X amount of success in my program and I'm measuring that success by X amount of kids or X percent of kids increased, etc. Whereas unpaid youth ministers, volunteers like my core team members, they are getting a qualitative reward for youth ministry. I am growing in my faith. I am helping young people get closer to Jesus. Therefore, they get qualitative results, more kids that are closer to Jesus, as opposed to just more kids in general. And the youth ministers who are paid and know to look for qualitative results, not quantitative, um, do better. And this guy I was talking to also said there's so many different ways that we can accidentally focus on the numbers. I was telling him, I was like, everybody knows not to focus on the numbers. Nobody focuses on the numbers. But everybody focuses on the number. You know, if you ask someone, like, what's the most important thing? Well, I guess the most important thing yeah. is making sure they have a relationship with Jesus. It's like, okay, cool. Um, how often do you take attendance? How often do you take a survey of their relationship with Jesus? You know? Like, I take attendance every week. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, take... right. I don't go, how's your relationship with Jesus every week? Sure. You know? Like, maybe I should start doing that on our sign-in sheet. Like, how do you feel your relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus is? Yeah. Scale of 1 to 10. Maybe. Yeah. Frowny face, frowny yeah. face, neutral <laughs> face, happy face. Um, that's that's pick, fine, pick right? Um, but what, I, what I'm thinking is that, like, we should, as ministers, make ourselves um, unnecessary by the end of our time at a, at, a, at a parish or at a mission field. Like, by the time we're done— right we should not be necessary mm -hmm. at that parish anymore or at that college campus. And that's because there are so many people who need to hear the gospel. Not everyone, not every parish can afford to bring in a Franciscan University focused trained youth minister, director of evangelization, DRE to their parish, nor should they. And so someone should have the ability to go to a parish and say, I'm going to take a small amount. I'm going to take a small paycheck for the next two years to make sure this parish is well-equipped and then maintain contact with that parish while you're gone. Like what St. Paul did. And I was talking to Ethan about this. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was talking to Ethan about this before the podcast. And he said that you said that catching foxes said the exact opposite. Yeah. They, they were talking about, uh, it's a different scenario because Gomer has oh, okay. a, has children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he was just worried that, like, if the economy were to downturn, then uh, I think this is when he was a middle school youth minister or something like that. Um, middle school ministry is the first thing to go. And so his thought was, if I get involved with the the website and if I get involved in all these other committees, 
and I ingratiate myself into the workflow of all these places, then I become much more valuable and it's much harder to fire me, which is good because he's sharing his gifts and talents with the rest of the parish. Um, it could also be seen as selfish, I suppose. But um, I mean, if you want to feed your family, then you, you got to do what you got to do. And so yeah, uh, that's kind of the angle that they were talking about. But I like the the dichotomy because that really should be our whole goal. Like it's if we want to be like Jesus and everything, and then St. Paul was certainly trying to be in Christ. Like that's what he wrote about all the time was his desire to be in Christ and to imitate Christ. Um, then Jesus was around for like three years, said some stuff, um, instituted some things and then was like, I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. And then he left, he yeah. went away. Um, and so all they really had was the the knowledge that Jesus was going to be with them, and he he is still with us through the sacraments, um, through the Eucharist especially, uh, and he gave us the Holy Spirit, and he said, okay, I've from this, I've given you everything you need. You know, you, you still have me. I'm still with you. I'm still in you. You're still in me. Um, but I don't have to be physically on earth walking around and talking in the same way that I was um, back then. And so... F- for a ministry, if you just, if at any point you're thinking, trying to do something differently than how Jesus did it, then you're probably not on the right wavelength, just in general. Because um, we're all at some point going to have to have that moment, whether it's moving or changing jobs or dying, like eventually you're going to yeah, leave. Exactly. And, That's like the and, biggest point of this is like, you're going right. to leave. You're going to leave. Um, and that's like the same thing with a family. It's it's much more concrete with the family. Your your husband, your wife, you've got children. All you can do is give them the skills that they're going to need because one day they're going to move out. When they're going one day they're going to leave home. One day they're going to grow up. Uh, and if you just spend all of your time kind of putzing around, you take attendance at dinner every day. Yep, all of them are here. <laughs> yeah, or even if it's you want to have a big Catholic family and you're like, oh, I want to have ten kids, and you're just focused on the number and you want to have a ton of children, but there's no sense of can Josie survive on her own? Like, can she go out and and do what we've done with her? Um, And so naturally, if you look at it from a family perspective, it makes so much sense. But then when you get into ministry, all that just kind of disappears as if spiritual growth is different in different places. You know, it's like, it's the same principles everywhere. Jesus set things up so that everything kind of pointed back to a family because all of us in theory should be from a family or at least should be in a family in some way. Um, but then we look at ministry and we get so business minded mm-hmm. about it. We forget that it's supposed to be like a family and then we treat it like a, like a job, even though it is a job, but it's not a job. It's, it's very hard to, to discuss. Yeah. And at a job, you should make yourself indispensable because you're there to make money. I feel like you can do both. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think this is like a, a hard and fast either, or I think it's a both sure. end. Oh, um, Fascinating. Because I think at first you're indispensable. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing. Gomer has been doing this for so much longer than I have. He's so much smarter than both of us. Yes. And at a certain point, you can't go parish to parish because you can't uproot a family and move. Yeah. Um, and my my thing is, like, I'm training... I'm training my parishioners, right? Like even ones who are older than me, I'm counseling them and giving them advice. 
on how to evangelize and how to specifically evangelize teenagers. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing though, is like, if, if I were to leave, someone would still have to do that, you know? So there's still a need for me to be there. But the good thing is that they have the at least knowledge of how to get by in the meantime. Because what I don't want is to build up a ministry that needs a paid staff member to keep it going. Because that's not how... Because then, then you're creating an issue where this ministry needs to generate income somehow. It has to. Otherwise, like if it needs to, if it needs money to exist, it needs to generate money. Um, and youth ministry does not generate money. No, it's a money it, suck. It's a money. Yeah, exactly. It's a money suck because, like, you know, there's conferences, there's retreats, retreats, pizza. You know, it's like it's 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 a lot. And I try my best to make sure that we're not spending a lot of money. But hey, you know, uh, it happens. And there, there is there is this thing though that it's like, at a certain point, you'll get to the point where you're so good at training people, you'll you're able to train people how to train people. And I think that's the point. If you're going to go into full time ministry, that's the point where you settle down at a parish. And your full time job is essentially training ministers how to train ministers. Yeah, that's that's the whole goal of what a focused missionary is supposed to be doing when they go to a campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and our whole goal in coming to a place is winning people in friendship, building them up, uh, giving them the tools to live a basically faithful Christian life because a lot of people don't have those tools. They've never been taught those things before. And then it's the, okay, you, this is, here's all the things that I did with you to help teach you to become a, a faithful Christian, uh, to teach you how to pray, to teach you how to talk about your faith, teach you how to give your testimony, teach you how to, just abide by the basic morality of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how you do all of this with another person. And in theory, that's what a missionary is supposed to do. It doesn't always work out that way. Super cookie cutter, because a lot of times you get people who want to be built and then don't want to teach yeah. other people, you know, which is a uh, very frustrating, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a little bit different in a parish scenario because there are more often than not, there's typically at least a couple of people that are interested in yes. wanting to give, they want to do something because if you're involved at a Catholic parish in 2021 and you go to more than just mass on a Sunday, um, you are the, the de facto creme de la creme. Like you are, uh, even if you don't have a degree and even if you don't know a bunch of stuff, uh, if you, if you at least are a little bit invested in learning more about your faith and giving back to the church community, then you're the kind of person who would be willing to receive that from someone who comes in. And, the thing that I think is super interesting when I'm listening to you talk about this is that the the goal is to be replaceable. I mean, I think this is why Jesus instituted the priesthood um, in the manner that he did is because the mass is not dependent on anyone's particular uh, abilities. You know, um, anyone can say a mass. Uh, not anyone. Let me rephrase. Don't take that out of context. Okay, Carl Rahner. Don't take that out of context. Um, any priest can come in and say the mass. That was a bit unfair. And it's okay. I, I don't know if we have to be Carl Rahner fans, but I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I am. Uh, but that's, that's why Jesus, you know, guided the church in the direction that he did. Uh, but now we're in this phase where we don't have nearly enough priests. We have to hire lay people. Um, the priests are so 
busy and so stressed out that they can't, uh, that, that there then becomes this dependency even on the priest. Like the whole goal of the priest is to have someone who is dispensable in a lot of ways. Like they're supposed to be the person of Christ who comes in, who serves the mm-hmm. people and then who is, is reassigned, right? Gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Like that's it's just kind of what it is. And so the fact that a lot of parishes are super dependent upon their pastor or their associate pastor for certain ministries to stay alive is I think, uh, evidence of the fact that there's not enough priests and there's not enough good priests. And so it naturally falls to the lay ministers. And then the fact that it's so dependent on the lay ministers, it's probably because we don't have enough lay ministers and we don't have enough good lay ministers. And so it's like, it just kind of all trickles down of like, we just constantly everywhere you go in the church, you don't have enough people whose job it is to do these things because they're stretched so thin. And so then the, all of this to say is that the burden comes to the people who are listening to this podcast. (laughs) The burden comes to, to me after I leave focus and I'm a real estate broker and I'm just, that's all I'm doing. You know, you're going into Um, real estate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, we got to talk about that sometime. There's a, there's a lot to be said about the job that I'm getting. Um, maybe we'll do a podcast on it one day, but, uh, the, when you're just sitting in the pews and you're going to mass and you're not getting paid by the church, you have the most freedom, I would argue, the most responsibility and the most ability to to do the things that we're talking about, to actually go and say, I want to be trained, or even just figuring it out on your own. Honestly, like, I've never really been taught by anyone. I just read a bunch of books, and, like, <laughs> I guess I've been trained by Focus, but, like, all of the training that we received, all of the people who work for Focus put it in books. Like, they're all available for sale. Like, everything mm-hmm. that I learned at Focus Training is in a book by Curtis Martin and Ted Shree and John Zimmer and Kevin Cotter. Like they've, they've put it all out there. They're not hiding it from anyone. You yeah. Know? It's not secret knowledge. It is not, this is not a Gnostic. This is not a Gnostic podcast. Welcome to the not um, Gnostic cast. If you want to learn these things, you can read the gospels and, and see how Jesus taught people and see how Jesus asked questions. Whenever I don't know what I'm doing, I read the gospels and I try to figure out what Jesus did. Like that's, that's it. I, I want you, I want to take the St. Paul view of ministry and, oh gosh, I'm going to say the words. I want to empower the laity. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. That always ends poorly. <laughs> um, this is my last thought, and then I, I'll turn it back over to you. But the um, the culture that we live in, the Catholic culture that we live in, really elevates and idolizes Catholic speakers, Catholic priests, people with podcasts, people with YouTube channels, and people in the pews will receive lots of good things from those people, but then think, oh, I don't know nearly enough to do that. I haven't had enough practice. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And I think mm-hmm. it has a, a negative effect on accident. Um, and like we have to, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want people to think that, you know, I don't want the people who are listening to this be think like, oh, thank goodness Patrick and Ethan are doing what they do because I could never, you know, do what they do. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm a buffoon. I'm an absolute idiot. I'm not good at being a missionary. I'm really bad at it. Uh, but like, that's that's the thing is that you learn it's like there's no way to get good at it you just have to do it yeah and trust that god is so much more powerful than you and i don't know that's that's what i want to get at mostly but what yeah, are your thoughts? I, I i think people look to me sometimes erroneously to <laughs> sometimes when people come they talk to me in par- like this is a conversation that i've had several times hi my name is joe hi i'm patrick oh yeah i know who you are you're the youth minister. And I go, yeah. And they're like, I can never do that. And I'm like, yeah, it can get tough sometimes. And they're like, how are the kids doing? I'm like, they're doing great. We got, you know, we got a bunch of really great kids. They're very in. What do you think about uh, these kids are not going to church? 
you know, like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's really, it's really tough to say it's different for every kid. Well, I mean, it's their parents that aren't taking them. Like, yeah, that's very true. You're, you, someone every so often, someone lays out to me uh-huh. the challenge, the mountain in front of my job yeah. and says, what are you doing about it? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, here's the reality. You see a really big mountain there. You don't even realize it's a mountain range. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every kid is a different mountain. Here's my problem. Okay. I may have a Ford F-250 of a college education, right? Like my, my Franciscan formation is nice. Patrick but was like, built Ford tough. I was built Ford tough. Okay. But I'm like 30 miles away from all of these mountains. You know, like I am very far away from these mountains, but you are on one mountain and you're almost to the top. And it's the kid that you know, it's the parent that's in your family. I can't reach them as easily as you can, but you can't. So don't ask me, this is not a pet peeve of mine at all. No, ask no, me never. What we're going to do about all of the kids? Because I can't. I can't just you know. <laughs> I can't just crop dust Jesus onto <laughs> these kids. You know, I can't just. I can't just turn them into great Catholics. <laughs> you know. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's an unfortunate metaphor because crop dust meets fart. But uh, we're. <laughs> But like you can work on your one kid, and that and that's one thing that I'm for my parish soon. There's this book that was released called Return, uh, by Brandon Vaught, and it's about bringing your bringing your adult children back. Yeah. to church. And my parish, that is very necessary. A lot of churches, that's the case. But like in my parish, it's a, there's a preoccupation with that, and so I'm going to I'm going to like put on a presentation of this book because I know not everybody's going to read it. And I'm going to say, here are the steps. Here's how you evangelize people. And here's a great book for you to see it done in action. Because I want to turn every single churchgoer, because that, that's the thing, is like we don't, we don't, we we go, we approach ministry from a scarcity mindset, not an abundance mindset. We go, the kids' parents aren't bringing them to church. Okay, that's true. We cannot change this. This is in our circle of concern, not circle of influence. There are so many people. This is how you apply business to ministry, okay? There are so many people that are already going to church. Here we go. So let's reach out to them and say, how are you, an individual person, going to get your 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 family into the church? Or we just say, forget them, and we go evangelize everybody that's not at our church. You know, we just say, forget the people that have been here and left. We just go get them. You know, like there's, there's two options. You know, I, I mean, you can do both at the same time. I'm not saying, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the the thing that I just struggle to wrap my head around. Maybe not struggle, but um, we. This is the thing that people are afraid of. Okay, this is the this is the number one. This is the number one <laughs> fear. If you buy my ebook, you will know how to the solve this problem. Lie in the history this of is this podcast. no. I'm not going to make you buy an ebook of the of the podcast. The number one fear that I think people have who are in ministry or who are ministry minded or who are evangelization minded and who see things around them that are problems. They're afraid to impose some kind of responsibility upon people who don't desire it. Like they're afraid that if I go to this person and I say, it's actually your job as a Christian to make sure that everyone, you know, is a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's your job. 
Like that is your responsibility. That is your duty that has been placed upon you at your baptism. Um, and if you don't want that, don't be a Christian. Because if you, if you don't want that, then that means you don't really believe in Christ. You don't really believe in the good things that he has for us. Like, and I think people are really, really scared of that for lots of reasons that we've discussed on this podcast, but it's also just like a, a very frightening thing just as a human to go and tell someone, Hey, you have to change. You're not doing your job. Yeah. You have to change. You have to do something different. And it's just, we need more patience and we need more of an ability to step into people's lives and to get to know them. Cause we can say that, but the people in the pews would be like, buzz off. You know, I've been coming to this parish for 30 years. I tithe, you know, like don't tell me that I'm not a Christian. And like, I mean, they have, there's some, there's some, uh, we need to recognize that and admit mm-hmm. that like there is good there, which is why you have to earn the right to be heard in a lot of ways. And, uh, I think that just takes a lot of patience and a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice of like, okay, what's, what's in my sphere of influence? What's in my sphere of control? Um, who are the people that I know? How can I talk to them about this? How can I talk to them about what Christianity actually is? Um, or am I going to spend all of my time stressing about all the boomers in the pews? Um, maybe, maybe someone, maybe someone can have boomer ministry. <laughs> maybe that's going to be a new thing. We've got, we've got youth yeah. ministry down. Okay. We've got life teen. I want, I want geriatric life, geriatric life, old life. Here's the reality. Like, here's the reality of, of confirmation retreats today. Yeah. When I sit down in a small group, why are you guys here? It's no longer my parents may become. It's my grandparents. My may grandparents become, may become. You know, and yeah. or it's either that or I want to. I want to be here. I want to, which is really crazy. That is that crazy. I, I was like, people are. People are better off than we think. I think. Yeah. I think that. I think that the people in the pews. Will be receptive to hearing you have to evangelize. At least the people that will come to a talk on that yeah. topic. Yeah. You know. I think we need to offer more evangelization workshops. This is something that I firmly believe in because I think we have a lot of people who are investing in small groups of like, I'm going to teach this group of of core members or these kinds of people to do what I do. Um, But a lot of people see evangelization as this thing that either Protestants do or that like they just don't think exists. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who understand evangelization, who understand the charisma, who understand friendship, who understand all of these things have to be more willing to say like, okay, once a once a month, once a quarter, uh, as often as my parish is going to let me, we're going to have something that's open to everybody who's interested in evangelization. And whoever comes, we're, I'm going to teach them, you know? And, like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to practice. We're going to go to Lowe's, and we're going to ask people to pray with them. Like, that's what we're going to do. And it's going to be really scary, but we're going to do it. And, like... Uh, it, and not all evangelization is street evangelization necessarily, but, like... We're going to go... We're going to go to the Ecclesia Domestica Depot. And we're going to evangelize. It's <laughs> a stupid joke. <laughs> I was. We were at a Home Depot yesterday because Phoebe was getting a planter. She's getting a plant pot. We have a lot of plants. She broke her rule. Mm. She's been. She said we have to one plant a month, but she got two this month. I don't know. Anyway, <gasps> Phoebe. I know. I know. And during Lent too. During Lent, I know. Indulgence during Lent. How dare she? Um, but we went to home. We went to the Home Depot, and I was like, I was <laughs> swigs PB. <PBR. laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um. During it, it's my feast day. During when we were in we were in uh, Home Depot, I was like, we should have Home Depot the musical. 
there should be a Home Depot the musical. There's there's everything the musical. Okay, there's there's Mean Girls the musical. We gotta have Home Depot this musical. We're gonna make this uh-huh. depot our home. Okay, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the Act One, <laughs> Act One finale. It's gonna be great. And the uh, the the theme song is gonna be. <laughs> I play that on I play that on Spotify. It's on Spotify, by the way. Home Depot has a Spotify. Is it really? And that is on there. And every time we leave the Home Depot, it's the Home Depot. By the way. It is. I play that song. Yeah. I'm gonna subscribe to Home Depot on Spotify real quick. I only go to Home Depot ironically. <laughs> Just so that you can walk around going. I walk around. I I'm 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 getting into home improvement ironically. Um, the, the, this is the problem with with our weird generation is we're only going to be ironically dads. Like we're going to do the stud finder joke ironically, but it's going to become so I like we're going to do it so often it starts to become genuinely funny. But I also think that we we don't understand that that's how dads start it like it all starts out as irony like our dad started making those jokes ironically and be like oh i'm going to be just like my dad but then 20 years later they're doing it and they don't even realize what's <laughs> happened you know it's going to happen to us we think that we're different but we're not different we're not you either die a hero or live long enough to yourself become, become a dad, a dad. <laughs> uh that's pretty good uh, that's, speaking that's of becoming great. a dad dr ethan's dating please <laughs> You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. Thank you. Speaking of dads, this is a, this is an update from our old dad for a napweed. Uh, he he gave some some clarifications on what was going on. Uh, apparently, Elihu is Job's youngest friend who sits by while the peers talk. And then chimes in at the end. And then the uh, I do not despise you because of your youth is what St. Paul says to Timothy. Ah. Uh, and he says, don't sweat it. I'm sure as you grow up, you'll be able to absorb more of the Bible than just the fun flannel graph stories. Okay, you need to stop saying things that we don't understand. What is flannel graph? Anyway, he says, I'm not a boomer. I'm Gen X, which is worse. On a serious note, this week's podcast is very challenging. Last week's uh, my own prayer life has become a little formulaic. Uh, I'm just going to I'm going to give the asking Jesus questions thing a try. Thank you. You're welcome, Napweed. Flannel graph is a storytelling system that uses a board covered with flannel fabric, usually usually resting on an easel. It is very similar to fuzzy felt, although its primary use is a storytelling medium rather than as a toy. Um, It's like a thing that you tell Bible stories with in Christian schools, like elementary education. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of places use this. Apparently, I think VeggieTales used one during uh, King David and the Rubber Ducky. Probably, that because makes sense. he used the flan- They used a flannel graph to explain the story of the sheep, mm. and then and then David is like, "Oh no, I behold the man." That's that's from a different Bible story. Anyway, yes. <laughs> um, this one comes from a fella. Oh, here we go. Who uh, who says, "Dear Ethan and Pat, hello there." I, dear, dear Ethan, Doctor Ethan and Professor Pat, hello there. I prefer you not to use my real name. I'm a junior in college, and I recently, I'm a junior in college, and recently at a campus ministry party, I met a very nice girl. Hey. We hit it off at the party. I got her number. Hey, and since then we have been talking. Okay, ah. because he only said one of my teens told me that talking is the first step of dating, but talking, talking is even is is the next step so maybe they're not at that step yet i I don't know know. who knows i really want to ask her on a date the issue is 
while she goes to school in my city, she's from a different state, and currently she's in that state until Easter, which is three weeks away, uh, as the writing of this letter. It's a time-sensitive. This is why he's, it's a time-sensitive document. Of course. I see. I am okay with waiting until Easter to see her again, but should I go ahead and try to ask her right now? Should I ask her out right now while she's away and just schedule it for when she gets back? My only is- issue with her asking, the issue with asking her out over the phone is that it breaks the first commandment of asking a girl out. The commandments being one, thou shalt ask her in person. Two, thou shalt use the word date. And three, thou shalt have a plan for the date beforehand. Alternatively, I could, in theory, drive out to her state before Easter. It's a four-hour drive. That might be a little bold. Uh, thoughts, opinions, prognosis, 1,000 years of gratitude. Insert fake name here. Um, well, the thing to know about the commandment of asking out, although it was written with the finger of God, a lot of people don't see that there's an asterisk at the end. And it says, thou shalt ask a girl out in person, asterisk, and then at the very bottom the bottom edge, not even the bottom of the front side of the tablet, so the bottom edge of the tablet, it <laughs> says, unless she lives in another state. Like, d- yeah. bro, just call her. <laughs> just call her, yeah. Just call it's, her, it's, man. It's, it's, it's kind of like how you can kill people in self-defense in the regular commandments. Yes. Uh, you can ask someone. This is exactly the same thing. Uh, it's it's like you can uh, you can ask a girl out over the phone. I've, I've asked you, plenty, yeah. plenty of women, including my current fiancé, out over the phone. Um, yes. Clearly, only one of them went well, so there is a little bit of risk involved. In this. <laughs> Just from an anecdotal perspective, yes. you're kind of you're kind of jonesing a little no, bit. No, I think uh, here's what you do: you call her and you say, "Hey, I would much rather do this in person, but since great, yes, exactly." So it's like you, she knows. She, when you say something like that, she knows two things: one, that you like her and you want to ask her out, and you're not just talking. Two, exactly. and she feels desired. Two, she lets you know that there's some urgency in you. You're not waiting around until Easter, right? Like, you want to go on a date with her at Easter, you know, not just ask her out at Easter. And so she's like, she feels desired. She feels your urgency. She can tell that you're a man who goes after what he wants. A man, that. a man who can provide for a family. Ooh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask her out. Yeah, I think you should. I don't think you should be too hung up about the phone thing. I asked Emma out when she lived in Michigan and didn't even have plans to move to Oklahoma yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it, it literally all just kind of worked out after that. So, uh, and then it's, if you think like, Oh, is it going to be weird when we talk in between when I ask her out and when I go on the date? No, it's not going to be, it's not going to be weird. It's actually gonna be more fun. Cause you both know that you want to go on a date with each other. And yeah, so you exactly. can, you can be more flirty <laughs> uh, if that's even possible. I'm going to email this guy back so that he knows what your prognosis is because yes. uh, this is a time-sensitive dating This corner. is very time-sensitive. Call her right now if you haven't heard call this. Her, call her. Call and her. Call her. And if you're not the person who asked the question and you're in the same situation, call her. Do it. Call her. Do it. Don't don't wait till you listen to this podcast. Call her before you knew we were going to say this. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom zap. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good podcast. It's a little, little shorter this week, but I think that's okay. I like having these shorter okay. casts. You know, sometimes we have the short cast. Sometimes we have the long cast. Long casts. Maybe next week will be a long cast when we talk about history as the driving force of culture and not economics. You mean culture is the driving force of history? History is the driving force of culture. Ask not what your culture history <laughs> can drive, but what your history can drive for your culture. It's a pretty good JFK. Oh. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else going on? Join the Facebook group. 
facebook.com slash the crunchcast if you join patreon in anticipation of us making a bible cast know that it's in the works and patrick is already divvying up the scriptures patrick uh, is already dividing and conquering the sacred texts the scripture divided against itself cannot stand <laughs> out of all the presidential jokes you can make that's one of them <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> oh my gosh all right get me out of this and end the podcast patrick what what else do you, you have? Already told them, you already told them to go to patreon.com slash the crunch. I did, but you can say it again. Oh, okay. Do you have any uh, go to, anything else for the people? Go to uh, Lincoln is actually a gorilla dot info for all updates on this conspiracy. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.